4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Bear with us for a second, everybody. Just, just, just one second. We have practice on. Damn it, Ari! Ari, I gave you a chance. I gave you a chance. You wanted an opportunity. You wanted a chance to do the crunch, crunch right. Actually, I wanted to get yelled at. You know, like we said earlier. Now you're getting yelled at. Now it's a real Cofield and Company. Now it's a real Cofield and Company. No Steve Cofield. No Steve Cofield, but you got Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, and uh, Ari, whose button punching is just subpar. <laughs> very, very subpar. All right, I'm going to try this one more time. Right to the camera. That's what I'm looking for right there. Uh, we're still talking about the NFL and trying to get people back onto the field. We're kind of in the same place we were last year. We're kind of right back to a headline that I could have taken out of 2020, pasted it right into 2021, Titans COVID outbreak threatens availability. Uh, Mike Vrabel, the head coach, is quarantined. Uh, now Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, is quarantined. Ryan Tannehill, who was fully vaccinated, has a breakthrough case. Uh, we are doing this again, folks. We are doing this again. Uh, it, and again, it's not necessarily just about the unvaccinated players, although the NFL announced yesterday 93% of players vaccinated and uh, seven times higher incidence rate among unvaccinated than among vaccinated. But uh, Titans GM John Robinson was talking about this and uh, was very clear uh, about his thoughts, not only about his team, uh, but about the greater situation overall. I've seen it firsthand with the guys. Coach Ray will speak to this. It's a couple days and then they they feel fine. We've had two people that I know personally that have lost loved ones over the last couple days uh, to COVID from symptoms and complications. And it's it's a life-saving vaccine. So it's interesting to me here, uh, Willie, as we as we get closer to the season, as the idea of could we have a forfeit, as the idea of could this really affect week one becomes more real for everybody. Uh, we, we get closer and closer to could we have a guy like Ryan Tannehill, someone of his level of player, not available uh, for a team in week one and no lenience coming from the NFL. I'm not saying that necessarily affected that particular quote, but I do think we're going to start to hear more that sound like it as the threat of losing players becomes far more of a real thing than it seemed like it was the beginning of training camp. It's am I, am I the only one though? Am, is this Tennessee had an issue last year. Now Tennessee has an issue this year you know one of the things the very first day players reported we didn't get any players but we got john gruden it was a tuesday and then the next day training camp opened but one of the first questions you know he was emphatic last year coined the phrase crush the virus they put t-shirts out dry fit t-shirts crush crush the virus and every day he came in saying we're going to defeat this thing and who was one of the most fine teams last year and coaches John Gruden and the Raiders. There's been one or two issues 
They handled it. There was no outbreaks. I'm just curious why Tennessee, back-to-back years, there are, uh, is it considered an outbreak? You know, last year to this year, two two separate times, same same organization. What what is the deal? Is is the question? For me, um, as you you know, you, th- you threw the question to Xavier. Who's going to be the first team right out there, Tennessee or Buffalo? Um, I'm just wondering why, you know, when you when you dealt with this, at whether again, I go back to what we said in the first hour, what I said, and if you're not going to get vaccinated. So be it. That's your decision. That's your choice. I'm not judging you one way or the other. I shared a little post on Instagram on my story the other day. It said, hey, those who are vaxxed, all my friends that are vaxxed, I love you. All my friends that are not vaxxed, I love you too. It has no – that's that's up to you. But if you choose not to and you're part of something, then you got to follow the rules. Why is this the second straight year that the Titans are dealing with this? It's a reasonable question. Why is it the second straight year that this organization is dealing with this? They're obviously in one of the more hotspot areas of the country in terms of dealing with it around their lives, around the facility in Tennessee. But you can hear the frustration. You can hear the concern uh, from the GM as he discusses people that he knows who have died from this. Uh, This is a situation where we can make it about the, the individual fights. We can make it about personal beliefs we can make it about this or that we as sports fans we want to see the games we want to see the games and we want healthy players and we want healthy coaches and we want everyone to be able to enjoy the product and that's in the end what this comes back to for the nfl for the nba for everybody is we're trying to ensure that we actually have these games to enjoy and uh and if you're part of that organization like you said a minute ago willie uh you you have a responsibility to make sure that that you're available and availability is a key key thing we saw it last year we saw it with the rookies we saw it with the guys who were trying to come in and establish themselves that a lot of these guys Willie, they had no training camp they had no everything was virtual they had no opportunity to get in the building early and and to really prove themselves and here we are coming up on the final preseason game for the raiders this year in a shortened preseason only three games instead of four uh, and I thought you uh, you mentioned a minute ago a really interesting discussion that the media had with John Gruden about the fact that it's as much about last year's rookies proving themselves now as it is about this year's rookies in this game up in San Francisco this weekend. Yeah, that's uh, you know I wanted to uh, wrote a story earlier this week on uh, Nate Hobbs. He's been obviously probably out of everybody the breakout guy out of this year's rookie class and uh and i didn't go to la for the rams game so that story had been written by several of the guys so i I tried to find a different angle and i spoke to his high school coach and uh and i wanted to do something following up heading into this final preseason game and i want to do something on the entire rookie class and i asked john gruden the other day and he said, it's not just this year's rookie class that has something to prove going into this final preseason game. It's last year's. You realize that there were seven draft picks. One was traded. One missed the entire season with a toe injury. That's Tanner Muse. Um, of the five that were left in 80 possible appearances, 49 appearances were made. That's 31 games that were missed due to injury or whatnot. Um, rough seasons, right? Damon Arnett, Brian Edwards, definitely disappointing. Henry Ruggs, probably, even though it was a disappointing year, what was expected 
for as high as he was drafted, um, you know, he, he, he still probably was the most productive, I would have to say. But uh, so he wants to see something from last year's draft class. He's very high on Damon Arnett in in the fact that he's shown a 180 degree angle from last year's disappointment, both on and off the field. And Damon's been upfront about that um, in dealing with having, you know, going from being a star at Ohio State to somewhat just, you know, getting a wake up call in, in the pro football ranks. So there's a lot to prove with these guys and there's a lot expected from these guys with a defensive secondary that had a rough, rough, rough season. The the front line, which couldn't establish a, a consistent pass rush. So you, you have a retooled offensive line that now features Alex Leatherwood, a, uh, a rookie, you know, a center who was an understudy in Andre James. So, I mean, there is a lot of youth on this team. There's There are third-year players that have a lot to prove. Right, Jonathan Abram moving up into the box safety position. There is there's a lot of youth with a lot to prove, but Gruden's emphatic that I don't want to just see something from this year's rookie class. It's all about last year's, this year's coming together, building that chemistry, and helping this team get to the playoffs. And in the end, Willie, that's a great point about Jonathan Abram, about Cleveland Furl, who about guys who need to really establish themselves to be the players that John Gruden and Mike Mayock thought they were because yeah. their evaluations have not always been the same of uh, the rest of the league in terms of the value of some of these players. And so it's about showing John Gruden something. It's about showing us something. It's about showing us something about the Raiders' ability to evaluate talent because once you get beyond Hunter Renfro and at least based on draft position with Max Crosby, uh, there's not a lot to show for the draft classes of Gruden and Mayock. And why is that important beyond most because of the fact that we were sold the idea of Khalil Mack is being traded to build up this draft capital to give yeah. this team an opportunity to rebuild. Well, this is how you do it. You rebuild through the draft. And it's time for not just this year's rookie class, who obviously have had very little time and only two preseason games thus far. But as you said, Willie, it's a great point. Uh, last year's draft class and maybe some of the guys who are in new roles like Jonathan Abram uh, moving away from coverage, which... We never thought he was going to be particularly great at and being given a role that hopefully suits him uh, a little bit better. It's not always rough news about the Raiders. We're not always here to, to challenge what are we going to get out of them. Sometimes we get uh, some positive things to talk about away from the field as well. I thought this was a good little note uh, Ari sent over on Darren Waller. Uh, Darren Waller announcing that his foundation's partnership with Landmark Recovery uh, has awarded the first three grants to patients now in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And Waller will meet them for the first time during a visit on Monday. Uh, I think you probably all know by now, if you've listened to us for any length of time, or followed much of the Raiders media over the last few years, that Darren Waller has been very public uh, about his struggles with addiction and how he's overcome them uh, to become one of the most imposing players in all of the NFL. I mean, when you talk about talent evaluation, as I did a minute ago, about Gruden and about Mayock, that is probably their biggest success story, is plucking Darren Waller off the Ravens practice squad and uh, doing some great work. And, uh, Willie, I just thought it was worth taking a moment to highlight uh, what he's doing off the field. Yeah, and you know, and he isn't just a face for this for the cause and his own cause. I know for a fact um, through some re very reliable sources, 
Um, Adam, you've been here a long time. I've been here a long time. I know a lot of people in town. And when the Raiders first got here and, um, you know, as things started opening up a little bit, little gatherings, small get togethers here and there. I know for a fact, because I've been told that in small gatherings last season, when, when players may have a little dinner, a little get together, whatever, um, I know someone very close to me that was in the same room as Darren Waller. And I would never cross that bridge, even as a reporter and, 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 and somewhat violate that privacy um, that has when I, when I'm not chasing a story, it's none of my business. It just was shared with me, but because and it was shared with me in an odd manner in that, man, you wouldn't think that Darren, like if you just walked into a, a get together or a restaurant or someplace, you would never know that Darren Waller is a professional athlete. And I said, why? I said, he doesn't even mix it up in a crowd like he or mix it up with socially. He just he's almost like an introvert. He, he's, he stands alone. He stands on the opposite side of where maybe there's the, there's a counter with drinks or whatever. Um, he's very quiet, very subdued, keeps to himself, pays, comes in, pays his respect, whatever. And we're not talking big crowds because um, the person I'm speaking about was was very cautious. Um with with their business and so i just know that i've heard that he is very very this is something that he he very much believes has changed his life and turned his life around it's not hard to believe obviously because when you are an an admitted addict and you are in recovery when you've hit those steps you know that you are a lifelong you know in in 10 years he, he should still be using the phrase i am recovering Right. You you've recovered. You are a survivor of chemical or alcoholic independence. And this is something that he has vowed to to share with whoever, whomever he can, whether it be younger, um, his own age, fellow athletes, fellow teammates who somebody's having issues. Um, it could be anybody. Um, it, and, and it doesn't have to be the same addiction that he had. You know, we've seen it time and time uh, again. Adam, whoever it may be, where inadvertent um, addiction to opioids, to painkillers in, in the industry that they're in, it's a violent industry and you become dependent on painkillers and you don't even realize it. I admittedly, uh, when when I had problems with my knees a long time ago and it came to come to find out it had nothing to do with the, the gym rat that I am now, I was just overweight and carried too much body fat. And a doctor had prescribed me Loratab. And I finally, after five, six years of prescription medicine, I went in and I told the doctor, I said, I want you to put it in big, bold, red letters, however it needs to be on my file. Don't ever prescribe me pain medication or narcotic again, ever. I don't. And it's been, I don't know how many years now. I've lost count since since that doctor retired, six, seven years. I haven't taken one pain. I've been in the hospital several times for different issues, stomach issues, just whatever. And they ask me what I want for pain. I tell them I don't. Don't put anything in my drip. I don't even want it. I, if I feel anything altered, I'm suing. I mean, I'm just, I don't want any pain. I'll deal with the pain if it comes up. But I don't feel any pain right now, but I don't want anything. So it's very inadvertent. And not to get sidetracked, my point is, is that Darren Waller has made a commitment to be there for anybody and to really be uh, aggressive in in sharing his story and teaching lessons and being there for others. So this doesn't surprise me, and kudos to him for his efforts. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time last year talking about the Darren Waller Foundation, but for all the wrong reasons, because it was that gala event where they didn't have masks on that ended up leading to 
uh, a number of fines for the Raiders. And, and it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate because we had to talk about it the way we did, which was that the Raiders, uh, you know, were, were some of the Raiders were reckless uh, in how they approached that. But it shouldn't take away from the fact that Darren Waller is doing uh, very good work. And as you mentioned, uh, is very dedicated to the cause, whether it's for himself, whether it's for the foundation or for other people uh, as well. Kilfield Company rolling on here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers and what they have to expect this year. I hear they got an important player back right before training camp. Uh, but we'll uh, talk a little food, just just a little bit about uh, a little bit about food that Ari loves on the way back. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already. For tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Sing it, Sam. Sing it, baby. I feel like we might have gone a little bit astray here today with the fat pack on Cofield and Company. Uh, you've got no Cofield. Got Candy. Got Willie. Got Ari. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Willie. Uh, Ari and I are, are both fairly slender, and I know you are, are very cautious about what you put into your body with uh, with all of the exercise and uh, and and regimen that you're on i i guess this is going to be sort of fat pack adjacent today i don't know if this is really the fat pack <laughs> all right uh that being said um ari has threatened to never speak to us again uh if we say that we like the following products uh so uh, shout out to Brady, uh, listener Brady. If you want to make sure you never have to deal with Ari, get yourself a big, big, big bottle of oh my god, Ari, what is this? Flaming Hot Cheetos Mountain Dew, or I'm sorry, Mountain Dew Flaming Hot. Uh, if you want to use its real name, um, first of all, guys, the description of this beverage is disgusting. Uh, one of our most provocative yet, said senior director of marketing. Matt Nielsen. Let's stop right there. I don't want to hear about provocative soda. This sounds like something to me that we, we've crossed up ideas that should not be getting crossed up. Like, I think about provocative. There are many images of Las Vegas that I can think of that, that come across as provocative. None of them involve Mountain Dew or Cheetos or the two of them together. Uh, Willie, are you, are you willing wow. to put some of this in your body in order to be able to disown Ari? No, I'm, I'm no, mm. absolutely no. Even with that, that caveat, it, it's 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 not. And I'm sitting here. I have a um, for the show. Um, as you can see, look across over here. Look across the desk. I have a sugar-free ginger ale that I brought with me. I have a diet coke, and I have a. Simple Truth Organic Cucumber Melon Seltzer Water. Three different flavors, but I am not going to endure a flaming Hot Mountain Dew in any way, shape, or form, even if it removes Ari from my existence. I think this is something that probably could become an ESPN Las Vegas Twitter poll. 
would you drink flaming hot Cheetos Mountain Dew to get Ari out of your life? Ari, I you just heard Brady say yes, even though I can't hear him. Yeah, I know. Somewhere I, in yeah. this world, he uh, said shout yes. out to one of our few ones, uh, Brady. Uh, he absolutely says yes. Uh, no, look, first of all, I, I don't mind flaming hot Cheetos. I, it's not something I seek out. Uh, if it's one of those things where it's like you got the the giant twenty four pack from Costco sitting out, uh, and I'm looking in there and I'm like, ah, oh, no, I don't want the Fritos. The Cool Ranch Doritos are gone. That's eh, fine. I, I can deal with the little bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Um, I can't remember the last time Mountain Dew sounded interesting to me in the first place. Um, but flaming hot Cheetos Mountain. I've never thought to myself, you know what this Mountain Dew needs? It needs some crushed up Cheetos to become that much better. I feel like this is the outlier group among us. I feel like the rest of Cofield and Company, I feel like Adam Hill is going to be crushing these things. Like, I feel like you're going to hear a completely different story if you if you get back to this next week, guys. Um, but that's not next week. It's today. And do you guys know what today is? Willie knows what today is. He had to I prove didn't. it to Ari because Ari didn't want to believe him. Uh, it's National Banana Day. National Banana Day? That's big time stuff. Ari, what? What? Well, 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 wait a minute. Go ahead, Willie. Okay, okay. So here's me. where Ari was confused because there's been a lot of banana talk. So the other day was National Banana Split Day that Adam and Hill and I discussed. Today is National Banana Lovers Day, and where Ari was confused, here's where Ari screwed up, is he automatically just saw National Banana and Day, so he Googled it, and he said, oh, uh, sources, sources tell me that it was this, this, this day, but he looked up mm -hmm. National Banana mm -hmm. Day. He didn't see mm -hmm. my original message no, to didn't. say Banana Lovers nope. Day, so today nope, is National Banana Lovers Day, and I suggested that we throw this on the fat pack and ask people, what is your favorite banana concoction? And here's the thing. Yesterday, I didn't realize what today was. I hadn't looked it up. And um, my mother, being the sweet angel that she is, made me a banana bread. And she's hey. one of the best. Banana breads are, are tough to do because I like the banana breads where you un when you unpackage from the cellophane, once they've been wrapped and frozen, whatever, no matter how old it is in terms of, you know, if you freeze it for the holidays, whatever, that it it's sticky. Like when you pull it off, it's still it's nice and moist and sticky. So it still has it. And then and then you, when you cut into it, it still has the nice bread consistency. She is fantastic. There are about three people I know who can make a perfect banana bread. So I sliced him and I made banana bread French toast yesterday. Ah, uh, I like then that. Today was like National Banana Lovers yeah. Day, and I made banana uh, protein pancakes before leg day so I could get a nice leg pump. So that being said, I suggested we bring up Banana Lovers Day for what is your favorite banana concoction? Is it a banana split? Is it just a banana? Is it, you know, what is it? Well, first of all, hashtag yes. like day. Um, <laughs> hashtag like day. Uh, but Ari, Ari, I know you have thoughts. I know you have thoughts. Ari, tell everybody about your favorite, your favorite banana concoction. I, okay, I don't like bananas. I respect the banana, like people that eat it. I, it's Ari respects potassium. the banana. I do, as a fruit. A Ari, so at least I do not like the Hashtag taste. Ari respects the banana. I don't even like like Jolly Ranchers candy. Any of that banana is for the birds. Mm. Uh, I will make, there's one exception for some reason of all the things. I'll eat some banana chips, the dried up ones. Those okay. are pants. I'm sorry. You, okay, wait, freeze dried or plain Freeze dried is what I meant, yeah. Okay. Freeze-dried banana. All right, that's fine. It qualifies. That's about it. I mean, it at least it. it at least puts you, it at least puts you in the discussion. Look, 
I I love the humble banana for everything that it is. Um, I'll eat it in any form. I'll eat it in ice cream. I'll eat I'll eat the regular banana. But the one thing I want to make clear to everybody, and I got I got ridiculed by Von Tobel at one point for saying this. Open it from the bottom. Open yes, yes, bottom. Adam That's, Candy. Yes, you will you, never miss. Do you know? Okay, now listen to this. There is one person, the first person I ever told me this. You ready for this? I hope they're listening. One of these three people are listening. Beverly LaRock, the wife of Al LaRock, legendary Durango basketball coach, mother of UNLV Lady Rebel coach Lindy LaRock. When Jordan, my son, was little, and I would go cover events at Durango, as you remember back then, the Gorman-Durango rivals, everything was held at Durango. Everything was held at Drago. This is when Gorman was still on Maryland Parkway. And Go- I used to bring Jordan. Lindy and Allie LaRock would play with Jordan. Bev would let me bring him up to the concession stand. And one day, she said, here, give you want a piece of fruit for him. And she turned it upside down. He went to grab it, grab the thing at the top, the stem. She turned it upside down. She goes, no, honey, here's how you properly open a banana. And it's from the bottom. And from that day forward, for the last 21 years, 22 years, that is the proper way to open a banana. There might be three or four people who have ever said that, aside from you. Drop the mic, pick up the banana. A little Packers talk when we come back here on Cofield and Company. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. I think we all know what's at stake, and, and I talked about that a little bit today about perspective and how important that perspective is to focus on this season and, and enjoy the most out of this season because there are a lot of unknowns. So we're just going to enjoy this season. It's, it's title town. It's championship or disappointment just been every year. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Uh, that is uh, former Jeopardy host and apparently I'm told football player uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, talking about the expectations for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Cofield and Company on your Friday afternoon running down our list of preseason rankings. We have a consensus ranking on the Packers, and I have to be honest about this ranking. Uh, Cofield requested it prior to Aaron Rodgers officially announcing that he was coming back to Green Bay this year. So we've got the Packers. Packers at number 11, I think our consensus rank might change a little bit uh, based on putting Aaron Rodgers back into the mix. Uh, I know I definitely did that uh, before Aaron Rodgers came back. Let's talk about what's going on up at training camp as we get ready for the regular season. Olivia Reiner covers the Packers for the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, Olivia, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing very well. The weather here was supposed to be thunderstormy in Green Bay, and the weather mostly held off. So I'm enjoying my lovely summer day. Uh, I, I, I envy you. Uh, we, we definitely here <laughs> in Vegas are looking for some nice summer days. It's, a, it's 109 and windy. and uh, But I guess you'll be thinking of us when, uh, when the winter <laughs> hits and it's freezing in Green Bay. So uh, understood. Uh, we, of course, heard a little bit there from Aaron Rodgers on the way back. Um, I mean, it's impossible to start anywhere else, uh, but to talk about Aaron Rodgers and, uh, and how you feel about what you've seen about his his focus, about 
his uh, reassimilation, I guess, into the team after being away for a while, has there been anything to suggest that it's less than 100% of what we've seen in the past from Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely nothing is what I would say. What I will say, I just said it. I don't think there's any indication <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers of 2021 is going to be any different from Aaron Rodgers of 2022, or excuse me, than Aaron Rodgers of 2020. That being said, we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers this weekend against Buffalo. We haven't seen him at all in the preseason. However, I don't. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to participate in, in preseason games. I don't think uh, he wants to. I don't think head coach Matt LaFleur wants him to. LaFleur has been resting at least 30 players for the last two games, um, and most of them have star- are, are considered starters. I think only three starters have played in these past two preseason games. So, they're being very conservative with Rodgers and the rest of the team um, in terms of getting them out there and getting them uh, preseason reps. But Rodgers has looked very good in camp. He has uh, looked good against the joint practices, uh, in the joint practices against the New York Jets, which in some ways are just as valuable as those preseason games, even though Rodgers himself has said that in the past he doesn't like them. Although I, think, I do think uh, this time around against the Jets, the team got more out of these sessions than they did in 2019 when they had the Houston Texans come to town. So Rodgers is looking good. The team is, there's a lot of carryover from last season. So I think that bodes well for them. Um, it's just a matter of, is this the last stance as I think Rodgers and Devonte Adams have kind of alluded to on social media? That's the big question. Olivia, you say, you know, there's nothing to, um, suspect that we'll see anything different from 2020 Aaron Rodgers to 2021 Aaron Rodgers and and of course not I mean he's one of the greatest if not the, the best uh, you know one of the greatest of all time and one of the best if not right now you know one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL um, so we would expect nothing less from his skill set um, but what I'm wondering is and because a lot of the question was well be, even before he agreed was you know well even if he decides how how could he how can this be mended front office coaching staff Aaron Rodgers you know what about his teammates and their mindset as far as his commitment and being able to have that sort of power in holding out for so long and deciding what he wanted to do, but being so boisterous and saying that he wasn't coming back, you know, for them, there had to have been some sort of, or, you know, some semblance of feeling a little dejected. You know, I, I'm not sure if they took it personal. It, it certainly had nothing to do with his teammates, but even still, has there been any, you know, anything that you could detect or that you heard or that you've seen um, or has it been that they've welcomed him back with open arms and they're glad that he's back? I'm sure there's a part of them from a success standpoint and a competitive standpoint that they're glad that their quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. But from that aspect and in, in whether – take Rodgers, the coaching staff, and the front office out in terms of mending something. What about his teammates? Right. I think when – considering his teammates, and it's difficult to speak for every single one of them, and I can only – surmise based off of the players that have spoken publicly about this, but they understand better than any of us will about what it takes to make it in the NFL, what it's like to be a player. And they understand at the end of the day that it's a business that comes down to money. I think as much as we want it to be this very pure, wholesome sport of football and they're playing it because they love the game, I'm sure, yes, to an extent, Aaron Rodgers absolutely loves football and he loves to play the game, but it's also a business, and he deserves to be compensated at the level that he wants to, and, and he's, uh, he's earned that right. 
to do to operate as as he would like to, and that's what he did this off season. And all throughout the off season, I don't think we had any indication from any of his teammates that he wouldn't be welcomed back with open arm, open arms, even if he decided to come back. And ultimately, he did. I to be completely honest, I wasn't here at the beginning of training camp. I was in Tokyo covering the Olympics, so I missed the very beginning. But he he came back, and it was pretty seamless. And his player, his teammates were happy to have him back. Um, and I, there was really no indication that anyone has a, any resentment for him advocating for himself, what he wanted. Um, and uh, if anything, perhaps I think that the issue lies between Rodgers and the front office, not the coaching staff, not with his teammates. I don't think it was a personal thing. I think this is a group that is very – Rodgers is a leader in the, in the locker room, and I think they look to him for a lot of their cues, and, and he is very big on – on taking care of your yourself off the field, whether that's mentally, spiritually. Um, and I think they look up to him in a lot of ways that is just beyond football, too. So I, I don't think that respect has been lost. And um, if anything, it, it truly it seems like he has slipped right back into the locker room without any issues. Olivia Reiner covers the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, talking to us here on Cofield & Company. Um Let's get back onto the field then and talk about how this offense will function uh, with Rodgers at the helm for at least one more season. Uh, we spent a lot of time and spilled a lot of ink talking about the relationship between Rodgers and Matt LaFleur uh, as we came into previous seasons. Where is the state of that right now? It, it felt like we hit a pretty good rhythm with the Packers offense uh, toward the end of last season. Yeah, and I think it's going to be pretty strong again this upcoming season as I mentioned a lot of pieces returning for the Packers especially in the offense not not on the offensive line I think that is going to be an area of potential concern for the team I think right now there's a very strong chance that there are going to be two rookies starting on the offensive line and center Josh Myers and likely Royce Newman at right guard both were draft picks this past year um, so there is going to be some newness there, and I think it's going to take some getting used to. Rodgers has been um, – he has highly praised both rookies, but I also think he has been critical of them too, and that's just – that's that's natural. <laughs> They're both – they haven't played in uh, an NFL regular season game yet. They've gotten some good preseason reps, but there is certainly more to come. So that is going to be a little bit different. Uh, this offense is going to miss – left tackle David Bakhtiari for a little while. He's still dealing with an ACL injury. He's, I don't want to say he's likely or unlikely to be available week one. I really don't know. I'm sure the Packers would like him to be available earlier in the season, but we'll see what they decide to do when they're putting together the initial 53. If he is included with the aspiration that he'll be back earlier or if they don't include him initially and then try to get him back later in the season. So we'll see how that goes. But otherwise, I think, uh, the offense, a lot of uh, uh, wide receivers, the wide receiving core is pretty much intact from last season. You've got Devontae Adams coming back, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and now the addition, or I should say the re-addition of Randall Cobb. He is back. Um, the Packers have added Mari Rogers through the draft as another Randall Cobb-type slot receiver. So they have a really intriguing wide receivers room, their tight ends are also an intriguing bunch with uh, Robert Tunyon, one of the uh, leading scorers among tight ends last season in the league. So he will add some uh, versatility and, and dynamic uh, talent to that 
receiving core. Um, so there's a lot to look forward to in this offense. I think, you know, last year it was one of the best scoring offenses in the league. I would think that it, it can get back up to that, but they, they need a lot out of their offensive line. They relied on their offensive line heavily last season. Um, and they, they, they're going to have a lot of, a lot of pressure riding on these two young players to step up and, and to try to replace Corey Lindsley and, uh, David Bakhtiari. Well, not their actual positions necessarily, but just the line as a whole, being able to uh, fill in for those veteran shoes. We have you in prediction mode, so uh, why don't we keep you right there? We're asking everyone we talk to in our preseason tour around the league to weigh in on a very Vegas question. Uh, will the Packers go over or under their season win total as Vegas projects it? Uh, it's either 10 or 10 and a half, depending on which sports book uh, you look at. Uh, do you think the Packers are going over or under 10? Um, hmm, man, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, making predictions. I'll say over or under 10. I'll go over 10 because they've gone over 10 for the past two seasons. So if history serves um, me any good, I'll, I'll try to go a similar route and seeing as I'm not convinced that Detroit, Minnesota, or Chicago will be that much better or worse. Uh, I don't think they'll be better than the Packers, even even Chicago. So um, I'll, I'll go with the Packers over 10. Um, I think Rodgers coming back, it was funny because I think we we were getting some of those questions earlier in the offseason. You know, what, what is the Packers record going to look like this upcoming season? And I'm like, how, how can I make a decision if Rodgers isn't back? Because if Rodgers isn't back, they're in trouble. But um, he is back, and hopefully he plays. Hopefully for the Packers, I'm sure you know they want him to play up to the level that he's capable of doing. That he's proven to be capable of in Matt Lafleur's offense. I think third year into this scheme, they they looked a lot more comfortable last year. I'm sure they will continue to add new wrinkles, and um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about their potential for the season. So, Olivia. Um... The last year and a half, maybe, the, the the excitement in Central Florida and Tampa Bay has been because the Lightning are two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. The Rays went to the World Series. The Buccaneers are now Super Bowl champs. You now have an NBA champion. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is back to lead the Packers and will be an NFC favorite or one of the favorites. But the Milwaukee Brewers have the second-best record in the National League and the third-best record in major league baseball is there talk of title town spreading past lambeau and a possible trifecta has is that conversation circulating along the uh, same sidewalks that laverne and shirley once skipped down that you guys could win a uh, you could win a an nba title a world series and a super bowl you know you're the first person actually to bring that up to me i haven't really thought about that too hard um and to be honest, I think Packers fans are so cautious because they've gotten so close twice now for the past two years, losing in the NFC uh, championship game. So I think there, there is going to be absolutely no uh, <laughs> getting too excited, especially this early on in the Packers season. And as exciting as the Bucks run was, I feel like, um, and this is just my opinion as an observer, it, it just it doesn't seem like uh, Milwaukee or even just the state of Wisconsin in general really took the time to relish in 
an NBA championship victory. I, I, I don't know. I think Packers will always be king in this state unless, I mean, that's just my very, uh, very, my, it's my one opinion. Um, but that being said, I think there is optimism about the Packers right now. There's certainly some optimism about the Brewers and some residual excitement about the Bucks. But uh, what Tampa Bay has been able to put together over the last uh, little while has been very impressive. And um, I think, yeah, don't take Wisconsin out of the conversation. It's a great sports state. Olivia, great spot. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, we will hopefully talk to you down the line. You're welcome. Anytime. Thanks, Olivia. Olivia Reiner from Wisconsin talking about the Green Bay Packers. Talk about the win total 10, 10 and a half uh, on the Packers. When we come back in the Ion Gaming. Got a little more win total discussion to get into as well. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Cofield Company coming up to 5 o'clock on your Friday afternoon. Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Talking win totals before we went to the break. Of course, it's that time of year. Um, if you're talking college, some of your win total bets have to get down before tomorrow when we begin with week zero with a handful of college football games. Uh, Willie, UNLV is one of a handful of teams that is not projected by the bookmakers to be all that strong. We talked about it yesterday. The Athletic ranks them 123rd out of 130 FBS programs. Their win total is one and a half in most spots. So they open with an FCS team in Eastern Washington. If you give the Rebels that one, do you think there's another obvious spot on the schedule to get to number two for UNLV? Yeah, I do. All right. It's not an obvious gimme win. It's an obvious spot that it could win um, with enough time to build up momentum, sort of, you know, um, under Arroyo, second season, enough is enough, um, and it's not at Texas San Antonio. Um, The home game against Utah State is intriguing because Utah State's supposed to have a down year, but... I am intrigued to see what sort of fight this team is going to have by its two, four, six, eighth game in Reno. Now, UNR are supposed to be fantastic, supposed to be improved. Uh, if there's one thing that Tony Sanchez did under under the headphones, under the headset, it was win games against Reno. Um, it's one thing that yeah, last year, Marcus Arroyo said was not going to be made to be a priority as it has in the past. And he did not want because what he did not want was a program that hinges its entire season on one game, because that's what this program has maybe built its reputation on is, well, it beat Reno. So it almost makes it OK to lose all the other games as long as it beats UNR. That said, it's still a rivalry game. That said, it's something to look forward to. That said, it's something that if this is an improving team, this mystery that it is, that only a few of the media members have had a chance to learn about by going out there, um, you know, it's eight games in. 
Who knows where it will be by then? It will have played Arizona State. It will have played Iowa State, which right now is sitting seventh in the nation. Um, it will have come off a, um, a game which it hosted last year's Mountain West champion against San Jose State. It is over Nevada Day weekend. So that is the game that I am looking ahead to that if there's going to be a game, we're going to see flat out the last ditch effort. You know, if let's just say they're at one win and now it's salvage, let's salvage this with something. And the only win it has is Eastern Washington. I'm putting it on the game that is in Reno at Mackey Stadium against the arch rival. Heard it here first. We'll check back uh, after that one on the bad day weekend. Big Five coming up here on Cofield and Company. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.